If you're listening to this, then you likely already know that being an independent musician can be a lonely road. And maybe your friends and your family just don't fully understand why you do what you do or why you invest so much time, energy, and, and money towards achieving your music goals. And especially early on, it can be hard to find people who really understand what you're trying to accomplish and how to make it happen. Uh, so that's where Modern Musician comes in. My name is Michael Walker, and you know I can understand and relate to that feeling. I've been there myself, and so has our team of independent artists. And the truth is that basically everything good in my life has been the result of music. It's the reason I met my wife. It's why I have my three kids. It's how I met my best friends. And now with Modern Musician, we've seen so many talented artists who started out with a dream, with a passion, but without really a fan base without a business and be able to take that and turn it into a sustainable full-time career and be able to impact hundreds of thousands, even millions of fans with their music. And we've had thousands of messages from artists who told us that we've helped change their lives forever. And it just gets even more exciting and fulfilling when you're surrounded by a community of other people who get it and who share their success and their knowledge with each other openly. And so if you are feeling called to make your music a full-time career and to be able to reach more people with your music, then I want to invite you to join our community so that we can support your growth and help lift you up as you pursue your musical dreams. You'll be able to interact in a community with other high-level artists, coaches, and industry professionals, as well as be able to participate in our daily live podcasts, meet these amazing guests, and get access to completely free training. If you'd like to join our family of artists who truly care about your success, then click on the link in the show notes and sign up now. Just take your visual stuff as seriously as you take your music stuff, because like I said, they'll they'll see you before they hear you. And it, it's only going to make it richer. Like you listen to music and you look at things, the visual component, I would say, just take it as seriously. And if it doesn't come naturally to you, like just seek out help in the same way that you, you, you know, you do for anything else. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, super excited to be here today with one of my good friends and team members, Curtis Peel. So Curtis is a director, musician, animator, and graphic artist, and he's someone that when you went through the program, Curtis, I remember looking at some of the designs that you created and what you were, you took the templates that you know, we, had, we had created and you made them just look a thousand times better and just look amazing. And so immediately, you know, I just saw you have this genius zone around visuals and about like, you know, kind of expressing that part of your music and, and your artwork. So I would love to you know, have a conversation today, kind of exploring for all of us as musicians, the role of our visuals, how can we can create compelling artwork that supports and kind of supplements the music. And obviously nowadays there's some huge breakthroughs that are happening with AI and with you know, using uh, generative images and artwork. And so, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to connecting in, in general about the role of visuals and artwork. And I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. So to uh, kick things off, maybe you could share just a quick introduction of, about how you got started and with the band Futurist and how you became an amazing graphic designer. 
Sure. So I grew up doing music a bunch when I was a kid. I mean, I did piano and, you know, choir and school and churches and stuff like that. And then by the time I got to middle school, I was doing percussion in like middle school band. And then high school, I was on drumline and all that stuff. And in high school, I started playing in bands. And so originally, like music is definitely my my foundation. But ever since I was a little kid, I like I, I drew like all the time. When I was in middle school, I I I did a comic strip for our newspaper. So mm-hmm. like I was really into drawing like cartoons and stuff like that from a very early age. And I don't know, when you're young and like, you know, really coming into it and your parents who are just supportive of you, but they don't really understand what you're supposed to do. Like I never really connected them as like, you know, a a unified thing, like the visual components that I was interested in. And then the musical components, I went to school in Boulder, Colorado, and I, I majored in music composition. So it was still very musically focused, but I had this one professor, his name's Michael Theodore. He's a, a composition professor at university of Colorado he taught my electronic music class, but he also taught this class that was called interdisciplinary performance. And it's a super far out class where you learn like video editing and lighting. Like they have this thing in, in, in Boulder called the black box where it's like they have light settings, like video projectors, all this kind of cool stuff. And it wasn't really until like I met this, you know, he was like a true mentor in my life. He, he stood out that he like, encouraged me, like, you should do all of this stuff simultaneously. I think before that, hmm. I, I, I never really saw them as connected. And he, he was the first like person in my life who like really helps me connect those dots. And pretty much from that point on, I like pursued them both. You know, influence on me personally, like I just really love – like, I, I think I saw like The Wall by Pink Floyd when I was in, you know, end of high school, beginning of college around that time. And like that made a huge impact on me because I loved the music, but they had this like animated story that had these actors that told the story and then would go in and out of these like animated sequences that just kind of blew my mind. I love like Radiohead a lot. It's a huge influence. They released this thing and I think it was like... 2003, 2004, whatever. It's called the most gigantic lying mouth of all time. And it was this series huh. of animations done to all of their music that was like around the era of Hail to the Thief when that came out. And they were like little series, little, they were in- initially going to be released on public television, but then they ended up releasing them on DVD like in that. But that was another big thing that stood out to me. So I had, I had all these influences that like had such a strong visual component you know probably like all of my greatest influences like in music wise there is a noteworthy visual element to it you know i loved just still do i mean i love those bands i love like the flaming lips Seeger rose you know like when you go see their shows like thematically whatever they're releasing it's not just the musical experience of it and that's really what kind of motivated me or inspired me when I got into music. And when I was in college, little by little, I taught myself, started off as graphic design, Photoshop, website design, stuff like that. And then eventually I got into into animation. And that was a pretty, you know, once you learn the program, like it makes a lot of sense. But when you, if you open something like After Effects for the first time, you're like, what is this? Like, it doesn't make sense. So little by little, I learned that. 
after college, I moved to New York City, and that's when I officially started Futurist. I, I had been writing music in, in Colorado, and some of that transferred over, but then I found a band, I put it together, and that was kind of the, the creation of that. Simultaneously, while I was living in New York City, I worked for a bunch of ad agencies, and I got really, really good at graphic design and animation. So, mm. yeah, that's kind of, I don't know, the short for, the short form. Yeah, th- thanks for sharing that. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever really heard heard your story and how you, I got started with graphic design, but it makes sense that yeah, that has been a part of your life since since early on. I would love to hear from your perspective, kind of the importance or why is it so? Yeah, why why is it important for artists to not just focus on their music, which is you know being a musician, audio is probably the main kind of art form or the thing that they're thinking about, but obviously the visuals make a huge impact and music videos, you know, are in, you know, incredibly important. And I'd love to hear your perspective of, you know, what kind of impact having the right visuals has on music versus not having it. And how can someone kind of just have the right mindset around how they think about their visuals as an artist? I think about it in two ways. Number one, they see you before they hear you. Right. Mm. So if you, if they're checking you out, they're going to see your video. They're going to see your, your thumbnails. They're going to see your album artwork. They're, all of that's going to be seen before you, 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 you're, they, they, they take the time to listen to it. And mm. more often than not, like I have a lot of friends and bands and stuff that I've known throughout the years. And like, when you hear them, they're just so amazing. Right. Like I, I have some friends that just are, are so talented and then they'll release it and I'll look at their record cover. I was just like, oh my gosh, like you, you guys are scaring people away. Like this, this looks awful, right? Like this doesn't like, this doesn't look good as like the music is, right? So the number one thing I think is because they, they see you before they hear you. And that was universally like, you know, you know, before you'd, you'd go to the record store and you'd flip through the, the records and you'd be like, ooh, this one looks cool. And then you'd take it home and you check it out. That still translates to today. Obviously, the t- the period of time between seeing and hearing is much much shorter, but still, like they're gonna see they're gonna see it before they hear it. And just like if you were to like meet somebody on the street and they were dressed slovenly and they just did not like present themselves in a way, you've already subconsciously made an opinion about that before they talk. Whereas as someone who's really put together, like they groom themselves groom themselves well like you're already going to have a positive opinion of them before they i mean they can obviously ruin that (laughs) you know it's not like guaranteed (laughs) but your first impression is like it's it's kind of defined by aesthetic and the way that things look and so that's number one number two is kind of what i consider in like the branding aspect of it like if you are trying to release something it, like it, it it makes a lot of sense that they can as quickly as possible recognize that something you're releasing fits within the catalog or the aesthetic of everything else it's again it's not it's not always like a super on the surface level thing it's an unconscious thing but you'll recognize patterns we all recognize patterns and like people pour billions into advertising, you know, like psychology to to understand how to get people to recognize things, whether they're conscious of it or not. And I think when it comes to a bigger pictures, you know, it's, it's good, it's good to be aware of what your overall brand is, you know, so that like from album to album or song to song or just era to era, you know, people are able to recognize, oh, this is coming from the same 
like creator, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, what came to mind as you, as you're describing that was just how interconnected the visuals are to the artwork and you, you described how people see, like they aren't just hearing you, but they're experiencing your music and your artwork through its entire presence, you know, and like, and we have senses that you know, that perceive things that are present to us. And like one of those things that has a really huge role in our brain is what we're seeing. And so it just makes sense that like part of who you are and part of your music, your artwork, you know, it shouldn't necessarily cut off this you know, huge piece of the human experience, but being able to actually plug that into the overall experience, you know, is extremely important to, to really be able to create the best artwork experience. And plus, if you just think like just off the top of your head, like what are the most like iconic records of all time? You know, chances are that there's, mm. that there's, you know, a, a, a very strong album cover, mm. you know? Yeah. Like that's true. Dark really. Side of the Moon is, is like the all time example, right? Because like, it, it's almost like the, the visual is as famous as the record itself. You know, there, there's a mm. lot of different ones that have changed and, you know, there's probably popular records that don't have the most, you know, like beautiful aesthetic for the, for the cover of it. But I think it definitely helps, you know, c- cement, you know, your idea that we're like, you're like not only thinking of the music, but you're like thinking of the aesthetic of what that record was. Mm. Yeah. Super smart. So how about, you know, for people who are listening or watching this right now, what do you see as like the biggest opportunities? I mean, we're in an interesting an interesting place with, you know, AI and with generative artwork and, you know, we'll see what happens for the next five to 10 years as it relates to like music and like generated music and how we use it as tools and kind of what it means for human creativity, like using these tools. But I would love to hear your perspective on if someone is here right now who doesn't necessarily, like maybe they're just getting started. Maybe they're just getting started. They don't have a big budget and they want to create high quality artwork for their music. And they're just looking to kind of create an initial uh, suite of designs for their merchandise and for their cover art. Where would you recommend that they get started? Well, number one, if you're, if you're trying to do things on a budget, I think the biggest thing that I see where people go wrong is font, believe it or not. Like people Mm. will have a great image and just horrible font. Right. And what, what hmm. classifies as horrible, right, is is either a color that doesn't match the the theme of what's going on or you're using a very generic font. Right. Hmm. That's number one. Right. And again, that's just kind of like a little bonus is that like you don't want you don't need like a, a crazy looking font. But if you're using, you know, Arial or Times New Roman, you know, <laughs> like like it's it's going to look very, very plain. It's also not going to look graphic because those things aren't aren't graphic. They're just typefaces. Right. So mm. so that's number one. That's just a little side you know, tangent is I've seen beautiful stuff with bad. So that mm. that's that's number one. Number two, like if you're talking about like AI stuff, stuff like that, I mean, mid journey is out of this world and like it keeps getting more and more out of this world. Like I, I've used it a Dolly lot. Dolly three too. Yeah, Dolly three just they came out and there. It's I don't think it's quite on the same level as Mid Journey, but there's some ways that I think it's you know better than Mid Journey. 
I yeah, I used Dolly when it first came out. I haven't I haven't touched on it as much. I, I think I, I I found it more expensive. The old I versions think. were real bad. Yeah, the old, yeah. The old versions were re- really bad. The I, Dolly I think, three that came out a couple months ago, I think, and it's it's pretty good. But I think Mid Journey is like it has this I don't know like this style to it that is amazing and there's i think mid journey is just like the leader like i think that they just have the best platform for it but dolly 3 from what i saw they could do a little bit of a better job with creating text and images and creating logos and like icons and you can interact with it like a chat gpt style of of interface you can kind of like talk back and forth and it'll design stuff and so anyways i yeah that's one, one tool that i've been playing around with that i've just been like mind blown yeah i I, i've played with them both i less dolly now i mean once i once i the original dolly and then when i found mid journey i was like mid journey is like making way more consistently better stuff you know just Mm -hmm. just off the bat and i I think i found it more like bang for my buck i think when i was first exploring it so you know I, i think those are great options for generating things you know another another option you can use is if you're looking for stuff that's made by actual creators you can use like websites one is called invato right they have a bunch of templates they like you can have stuff of video templates there you can have like vectors and stuff like that that you can adjust vector stock is another one those are those are two in which you can for for very cheap find illustrator files and photoshop files that you can you know edit you 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 pay like a dollar for the for the vector and then you can change the color of it you know move things around you know that's that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty uh, easy way to kind of get a foundational thing that you can play with so mm-hmm. so between the ai and like artists who are selling basically they're like templates you know that you can play with those those are pretty low cost ways to get into graphic design for what it's worth, I, I like. I think getting into like the Adobe Creative Suite for anybody is a worthwhile. It's worth it's worth it's worthwhile to teach yourself how to do these things. You know, there, there is a little mm. bit of a learning curve, but like being able to do your own stuff and not having to go to you know a designer regularly is you know it, it's it's knowledge. Like if you're going through all the effort to teach yourself how to do you know like the the music editing or the marketing or stuff like that you might you might as well like learn some you know fundamental things where you can do it yourself if you're trying to make facebook banners and all, all the different little things that people got to make for you know announcements you know mm-hmm. yeah it, it's smart it kind of reminds me of this principle of last mile delivery the, where i've heard this came from initially was the last mile delivery for shipping and like amazon they can do so much with automated delivery, but where they really struggle is the last mile delivery. So they can like automate all the, the robots, do everything, but then it's like that last mile where there's actually like they have to get on the road and kind of deliver it and they'll handle those subtle, subtle nuances that it can get tricky to do it without like, you know, that direct connection. And I think that there's something kind of similar to artwork and like music or, or visuals you know, that last mile delivery of like, if there's a graphic and for you, if you knew how to like manipulate it yourself, you could just go in and tweak it and take like a minute to like get it exactly how you want it to look like. But if you have no idea how to do it and you have to like communicate it, 
you could go back and forth to like 10 different revisions before you actually get like the one that you really want for the last bound delivery. So it sounds like that's, you know, one and, thing. And, that, and that's what I mean about lear that. learning the basic aspects of something like Illustrator or Photoshop is that you you can better mm -hmm. communicate to people you hire. Can you give it to me mm -hmm. like this? Right. Can you get, mm. can you deliver the file in this way so I can edit it? Right. If you had a, mm. an, a like a an album cover or a single cover, something like that, that was designing, you're saying, hey, can you make sure it's all layered so I can take all that stuff and like rearrange it? You know, that's going to that's going to save a lot of time, you know, that you're not going to have to feel like you have to like keep going back out to other people, you know, the, the thing I would say regarding if you're getting into it, like it's not 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 everybody has the same eye you know again and i think no you talk about genius zones or knowing like what's your, what's your best at like when i'm working on a record like i have people that like i i don't mix my own stuff like i i don't i don't master my own stuff right could i learn how to do it absolutely you know but it's not like my genius zone right and i have people who i love what they do and i reach out to them and i have them do it you know same same kind of thing like if it's not a natural thing to you like number one just get feedback from people right like i think like it's really easy for people to say hey we've give me some feedback on this song but they won't say hey we give me some feedback on this you know single artwork mm. you know oh yeah so and, smart it's a great opportunity to include your fans too if you have a yeah. community it's like ask them for feedback you know, because no. you might think something looks really cool because it's like something you haven't ever done and you made it and they're just like, eh, this doesn't look, <laughs> you know, like what, whatever. And again, yeah. it's not it's not personal. It's just like your first impression of things. You know, I think mm. getting feedback like all the time in, in any aspect of what you're trying to do, you might initially mm. think something makes sense or looks really good. And then you'd find out, oh, mm. actually, it seems that that's not true. <laughs> you know, that's such a good point. Yeah, I think it's something we all have to be careful of as is sort of like your own cooking always tastes better <laughs> because of the fact that like you know you, for, for good reason like you know you invested time and energy and, and hard work into it but there is such a thing as you know if you spent 10 days creating a microsoft paint picture and then is a tendency a bias is going to be towards thinking it's like even more awesome than it necessarily is so it's a good thing to keep in mind so when, when I was working, you know, when I worked at, at these advertising, you know, firms and stuff like that in New York, when I lived there, like, it's kind of an ongoing yeah. joke, anybody who's done graphic design, that the client doesn't know what they want until they see it, right? Which is kind mm. of a, you know, which is an annoying thing if you're doing a graphic designer, because you'll do one thing and be like, no, that's not quite it. And then you'll do another thing. And then they'll say something and you do exactly what they say. And they're like, no, no, that's not what I meant. You know? <laughs> so, so like, right. it, it is, it is kind of an ongoing joke that people don't know what they want until they see it, right? Mm. So, like, for example, what I, you know, as, as, as how I would see this is imagine if you like went to like an artist and you actually had a serious and you had, you know, AI sketches of what it is that you were doing, you know, and then you were like, mm. go with that. That's completely you're, you're, you're going to eliminate all the revisions and the back and forth and like stuff that you'd have just wasting time otherwise, you know, mm. as for how you articulate, you know, to get an exact thing, like, you know, like you said, like per personally, you'd already have a bunch of stuff like, you know, defined as far as like what your aesthetic is, what your ethos is and things like that, as well as you'd likely spend a lot of time trying a bunch of different directions to see which one was it. And in that process, mm -hmm. you might discover something that didn't initially, you know, 
come to the forefront. Like, for example, you can have an album artwork or, you know, something like that that's like illustrated, you know, looks like a graphic novel. Like it has like, you know, like you think of like the I Love You Honey Bear and the first Father John Misty record, like they look like illustrations, you know. But then you can think about things that have like 3D, you know, 3D renderings of things and like weird, you know, like very jumping out at it. Like there's there's a lot of descriptive terms that, you know, you if you you can explore and leave to the AI to just, you know, go off of the words and you'd be like, oh, I like this. Can you make it, you know, more Mm -hmm. illustrated in the style of such and such or more like this 3D artist? You know, a, a good thing, too, when you're looking for influences is rather than just looking at bands, look at visual artists, because mm. the, AI, the AI does replicate replicate that stuff really, really well. If you're like, mm. I love Keith Haring, like the way that he like did all these like weird, like, you know, like doodle like Keith Haring. Yeah, you know, that guy from the from the 80s, he would do all that subway artwork in the 80s it's like a very stylized thing i'm just i just pulled it as an example right like i said if you did van gogh it would look like these very wild brush strokes you know the 3d artist you you probably would have to research a bunch on your own just you know google like you know top you know 3d artists you know stuff like that and just look through their their catalogs i i've actually found that a lot of times ai is pretty good at either you know finding that stuff and replicating it or same thing if you, if you use a reference so Curtis, this is a little bit of an interesting segue to it, but you ask someone who, yeah, I think some of the themes that you explore in, in Futurist, I'd love to hear your perspective on the role of uh, psychedelics themselves as like a tool for creativity and, and human creativity as it relates to you know, maybe something like you know, the visuals or as it relates to creating music. Like, do you think that there's value in using them as tools? I would say yes and no. I, it it depends. It, mm. it depends specifically on the person, you know. Like I, I've I've described mm. it this way: there are people who like really need to use psychedelics, and there are people who really need to stop using psychedelics. You know, mm. I, I've I've seen both both ends of the spectrum. You know, where I would say the value in in psychedelics is a, an openness to things, seeing things that were not there before you know, are, are always mm. there, but you haven't been able to perceive, you know, I think that that's the, mm. I think that's the most observable psychedelic experience is like things are trippy, right? Like what is trippy? I mean, I think trippy is that you're seeing things that are there. You're seeing, you know, anybody who's described, you know, like watching trees or something while you're on mushrooms or something like that, you know, you're seeing mm. the life, the connectedness, the patterns of these sort of things. And again, I'm saying this in personal experience. I have a, I have a, I kind of default to an addictive personality, right? So I have definitely taken a lot of psychedelics and I don't really take them anymore. And I know that you are, you know, a big, you know, you've got a tremendous value out of ayahuasca, which is definitely right now, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's like someone gave me the bucket, you know, but, 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 but for example, like I, when I started taking ayahuasca, ayahuasca told me to stop taking everything else, you know? Like that was mm. something that I, I really got from the messaging mm. of, of that is that like mm. th- there is a line between expanding your mind and abusing, 
you know, and th- mm. this is my own yeah. little, you know, this is my own little personal, you know, public broadcast I stopped, announcement. I stopped drinking after, after I attended an ayahuasca ceremony and it was part, part of the same, same thing it was just sort of evaluating my body and my relationship with everything and everyone around me. And the relationship that I had with drinking wasn't, um, serving yeah. anyone really. Yeah. There's often a net negative in that way. So, so again, I would say that there were people who just cannot see outside of the, out of the box that I would say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I would recommend doing it in a ceremony, you know, and again, you can do that with ayahuasca. You can do that with, you know, peyote. You can do that with mushrooms. I mean, like there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of thing I, I tend to default towards like organic psychedelics at this point, like philosophically, you know, like that it's like, like, for example, like, like LSD is pretty easy to abuse. <laughs> and again, I'm speaking mm-hmm. on personal experience, right? It's not for everybody, <laughs> you know, that's the case. But for me, it was pretty easy. You know, if you get yourself a vial of LSD, then you can, you like, I'm like, literally everything I'm doing is like, oh, well, it's one way. Maybe what if I did it when I was on LSD, you know, then it's like, I'm, I can't just go to the grocery store without being like, you know, so, so that's a personal, you know, like kind of caveat is that like I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's necessarily like something that you can just like flippantly like recommend that everybody go and do you know oh, however yeah. like ayahuasca in particular like I, I, I still you know I, I still believe in ayahuasca and I still talk about ayahuasca a lot and it's it's changed my life in a pretty drastic way like spiritually you know letting go of things that aren't serving me you know realizing things that I'm not realizing as for the visual component like yeah it's huge i mean like that that was like like a big part of like my 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 growing up and you know experiencing music and experiencing like art the the way it's it conveys itself visually i think that there is a an unconscious like understanding that 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 plays out in the way that like i animate for example you know is that like you can see things that like this can go into that in like a way that like maybe you wouldn't see you know otherwise if you had not like experienced that in kind of a, you know, a psychedelic experience. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. I mean, I think the fact that we can have this conversation like more openly now sort of reflects even just like the current culture around psychedelics, like the FDA has fast tracked psychedelics use for like therapy and for in a positive setting, they've got a breakthrough therapy status and they're finding some incredible correlations between using them in a respected way with you know, ther- therapists as well to help process things and seeing people that have been resistant to all f- forms of pharmaceuticals, but actually having real breakthroughs with these tools. So it certainly seems like we're entering a, an era of where we're recognizing the value and using these in a, you know, in a respectful way and with, you know, caution. I also think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of propaganda that is just like not true that's been spread into oh like yeah i mean like like narrative I, for- if, if i watch any movie and there's like a stoner stereotype i'm just like god this is so tired like 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 you you maybe meet like one person like you know who's stoned like that who's just like <laughs> i can't think anymore and like what <laughs> like 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 that's not what people are are doing and behaving you know but but just like Mm -hmm. i said like the the respect is is like the really big thing i mean like i think some people like like Mm -hmm. smoke a lot of weed because they don't want to feel their emotions like i like i genuinely Mm -hmm. feel that because i i've done that before yeah you know Mm -hmm. is is i i think it i think it nullifies that and so like but again 
if you if you smoke weed and make music and stuff like that, I mean, you know, there's thousands, millions of people who like would go, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? So like, mm-hmm. yes, there is a there is a bunch of propaganda. And I think the propaganda is, is twofold. One, people are mimicking that, like, oh, I saw this movie and now I'm going to act like it's I'm in dazed, con- I'm in dazed and confused or something <laughs> like that, you know. Um, but but mm. but also, like, I think the propaganda is also, you know, so you don't find out for yourself because there is a lot of like thinking for yourself that kind of comes out of psychotropic psychedelic experiences. You figure things out for yourself, and therefore that's always been a threat to you know authority structures. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing that I found really fascinating to sort of like exploring the landscape and the history of psychedelics was just how how much of the war on drugs as it relates to psychedelics in particular was politically motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, like at the time, like hippies were kind of anti-war and the psychedelics really kind of got attached to this counterculture movement. And there's been a lot of like the, I think the biggest concern for people is that like, I'm going to go crazy. Like if I, you know, did psychedelics that like, Oh, it's going to make me like lose my mind and I'm going to have a bad trip, bad trip. See, see, I as someone but, who has had bad trips, I, I don't call them bad trips. I call them challenging trips mm. because you, you're being challenged yeah. in it. And again, I have had some scary psychedelic experiences and I'm not saying that to deter people you know, Sid Barrett, you know, the original singer of Pink Floyd, he, he lost his mind because he took too much LSD. Like he, he, he lost wow. his mind and, and like he wasn't able to be in the band anymore. And they went on without him and he lost his mind. And like he just lived it. He lived at home with his mom because he was debilitated. So like that's not a thing to say that like that doesn't happen. But he was abusing it. He was taking it every single day, all day long. Right. So mm-hmm. so like you can abuse you know, you know, chips and queso, you can eat chips and queso all day long. You're just eating chips and queso. I love chips and queso. And then all of a sudden, like you're really unhealthy. You're, 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 you're you're really, you know, so, so like, like I I think the, the fear of losing your mind is, is not an accurate fear. If you're experiencing it in a safe place with people you trust, you know, you, the, the thing with psychedelics that they always say set and setting, I'm sure you've heard that where what's your mindset Mm -hmm. when you're taking it and what's your setting. You know, are you in a safe space where, you know, you can process challenging things? Because it's not a bad trip. You're, you're not like, you're not like confronting, you know, like Beelzebub and he's going to like engulf and swallow you into the, the pits of hell. But you're, you're maybe confronting something about yourself where you're like, wow, like I've been running away from this feeling my entire life. Right. And it's like you can't run mm. away from it anymore. And that's yeah. challenging. And it, when you're experiencing it first, you're going to resist it. And that's where the the fear, you know, that it talks about, you know. So, mm-hmm. so like on one end of the spectrum, it can happen, but you have to like be abusing it. You can abuse food. You can abuse, you know, work, you know, like you, you, you can, you can abuse anything that is like maybe good for you, but it's taken in large quantities, you know. Or without an intent, you know, we were talking about before, like it can become, you know, like that. However, if you're like, hey, I'm like stuck in a rut, like I don't like I don't like my job. I don't like my my life. I don't like my relationships. Like I'm not not connected. I'm not seeing solutions. You know, like I, I actually probably would recommend that to someone had they, you know, you know, opened up and they had like a, an outlet to it that was like a safe environment where it was like treated with respect. Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking for the answers. 
Yeah. You know, this is something I don't talk about very often because, you know, I, I think we're still at a place of society and, and culture where we're still, you know, learning about these tools and there's still a lot of fear and, and residual things. But, you know, for the past six years, I've been attending once a year an ayahuasca ceremony at a place called SoulQuest. And it's actually in Orlando, Florida. And it's one of the few places in the country where it's uh, legal to, to use it. And the way, like the facility that they set up is they have, you know, an amazing volunteer system with, you know, therapists who are helping to integrate the sessions and medical staff to make sure everyone's doing it safely. And it's like, certainly not a, if anyone you know, like looks up ayahuasca and like researches it, then you'll see it pretty quick, like quickly that it's not necessarily like a recreational, like, Hey, like, let's go you know, get high on, on drugs. But it, it really is a powerful uh, tool, a medicine, you know, they call it yeah, the, but, plant medicine. Yeah. And some of the things I've seen, like I've been attending it once a year for the past six years and you know, people, they always do integration circles and there's people who come with like some serious trauma you know, usually related to some sort of abuse from like childhood abuse or sexual abuse or violence. And they, in some cases, they're like on their last resort. Like they said, like I literally tried everything. I was, was suicidal and they come and they have this breakthrough experience where they're able to like heal and forgive and actually transform from it. And they have these studies that they're, that they're doing around, you know, these tools. It's part of the reason that they have breakthrough therapy status. So yeah, it's, it's something that I feel like has been a really important part of my own journey. And I don't talk about very often because I don't want to be judged. Uh, but I do think that used in the right setting with respect and doing it in a safe way, it's a, a really valuable tool for discovering, you know, who we are and healing and making the world a better place. Oh, definitely. the the very The very first time, so it's been it's been a minute since I've taken ayahuasca. But when, when I lived in Brooklyn, I I, I had a, a friend, and he would always do it at his his apartment. And like he's like he's he's one of my best friends, and like he exposed me to it, and like it really changed my my life. The the first time I, I had I had done it, I was personally struggling with like some like personal like betrayal like you know issues that I had felt you know and like I I was sick like I knew I was sick like I, I was full of resentment and a lot of things and literally the thing that you know the the the, the personal thing that was bothering me like I, I like I, I didn't care like literally after the first time like I was like uh, I, I see it like I see it from your perspective I see it from you know everybody's perspective and like I see, so, see it from a bird's eye view and then the other thing to say is like as someone who's been pretty experimental my entire life like the other pretty profound thing to me is that it told me like you don't need to do all these experimental things anymore you know ayahuasca told me that like I had an experience in ayahuasca that was like you know these other things you're doing like you're abusing it like stop doing that hmm. and and like had I not taken the ayahuasca, like it had, it would, I probably would, you know, I probably still could have been like, and like, I think that that's kind of what's kind of interesting about it too, is that when you get in, like sometimes abusing substances, and again, that I, I include food in this because I think that's a, a pretty common thing in America. That's not really, I mean the world, but like particularly in America, that's not really talked about is that like people abuse food pretty, pretty heavily. And, and so like, th th there are things that like, Hey, like this thing that you're doing, it's really about this emotion that you don't want to feel right. It's really about this emotion that you don't want to feel. And, and like, you're ready to like, let go of it. So like, don't do it anymore. 
and the, the crazy thing about it is it, it, it stuck. Like, like I, I, like it's not like I'm like, Oh, like I got to figure it out. Like I'm like, you know, it's, it's stuck. It just clicked, you know? And I think you described the thing with the, the alcohol, like it just clicks, like you just clicks and you're like, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't like there's diminishing returns on this thing that I've been doing. Mm. Um, but yeah. as, as far as like the, the healing and like, like what, what's so great about most like ayahuasca things is like, it's not a party drug. <laughs> like, you know, a majority of the time you're probably going to purge. You're probably going to like, you know, like, <laughs> like throw up, you know? And again, that's not supposed to turn people off too. Cause some people get turned off by the throwing up part. Like it feels good. Like it feels good. Like you're like, Oh, I needed that out of me. Like it's, it's very like, and I, and like, I, I've heard, I've heard stories about like people who were like dry heaving and the dry heaving on like the grass, like in the jungle. And like when they, they, they went back the day, like all of the grass was like white, like it had been like bleached. Like there was something that came out of you that just like, Ooh, this was like in you, you know? And I think that there's all these kind of like, depending on your level of spirituality, you know, like me personally, like you, you get attachments, like there, there's, there's, there's entities and things that, that, that attach to you. And they kind of, they kind of associate with your mind, your mindset and like what you think is possible. And I think the addictive one is a, is like a, it's a self-sabotaging one that I think is actually like a mm. spiritual component. And there's, and if you can look at it, you know, and you can get it out of you, I, I do think that there's some levity that comes out of the backside of it that, you know, really improves mm. your life like drastically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It definitely seems like one of the core things that's, that's came up every time is just that these tools can be powerful for pattern recognition and like breaking patterns. You know, like our minds are really good at creating habits and patterns and, and the same thought process over and over again. And in some cases, you know, it seems like there's literally generational uh, trauma and generational mm. patterns and you know, pain that we're carrying around with us that we might not even be aware of it. And these schools can be a way to get perspective and actually just look inside and be like, whoa, there's this thing like. I've, I've been carrying that around for so long and I wasn't even aware of it. And to be able to release that is really powerful. And, and I do want to address that. I don't think that, that ayahuasca or any plant medicine or any substance is necessarily like required in order to heal and be at peace and, you know, be who you are. Meditation you know, is an amazing practice. And that's certainly something that I've found a deeper appreciation for through the work that, that I've done with, with this medicine. And that being said, I do feel like it's a tool. It's like a, a very powerful, like in a weekend, you might get the breakthrough that might've taken a year of meditating for 20 minutes a day to, to get to. So I do think that, you know, in combination and using the right setting that it can be that, that's a great supplement. Yeah, that's that's essentially what I was trying to clarify. Like, I, I try to be very conscious with the way that I talk about it because if you were to talk to me like ten years ago, I'd have been like, "Yeah, everybody needs to do it, man." Like, it just really like gets you out of it. And then like I went through some personal stuff where I was like, "I don't know what I'm talking about, actually." Right? Like, I, I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Like, someone's like, "This is not medical advice," you know? Like the things like you know, like they'll go out like like I I, I and, and part of the wisdom that I've I've pulled out of it is that like I, I don't think that there is a blanket statement that you can say towards people. And like, there's definitely been people who I would be like, oh, please don't do that. Like, please, please don't do that. Because like, you know, like you, mm. you already know what you know, and like, whatever, it could be a personality thing, or you're not ready for it. You know, like you hear the thing a lot with like when the, 
you know, when you're ready, it appears itself, you know, or it could come, you know, it, it appears in your life, like something like ayahuasca is, you, know, you might have a curiosity about it. And then all of a sudden, like you meet somebody who, you know, says, come with me to this thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, cool. Now's the, the time is right. You know, but there's de like, I'm definitely no advocate for everybody doing it and going out and, you know, doing it. But like, I'm, I'm pretty libertarian, like, you know, with like a philosophy about it, that it's like, it's your body, you know? And so like, it's your decision, you know, re research it, you know, find out like, what's a safe way to do it, get some, get some input, input from people who have done it before or something like that. Like, I, I'm just like real conscious about like, not how I was, you know, when I was <laughs> so much more of an idiot, you know, <laughs> just being like, you know, yeah, you know, just like, you know, trip out, man, like, you know, like, like <laughs> that, that, that was a lot of, that was, you know, that was a lot of my, of, of my youth in a, in a way that I'm drastically different now. But I would say it's just kind of how I mind it. Like I'm always looking for answers. I'm always looking for deeper meaning of like what's, what's happening. So like, it's natural that I wound up in that. And it's just also kind of poignant and kind of funny to me that like the more I did it, the more I realized I didn't need to do it. Mm. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of a cyclical, almost like reflected, reflective paradox in that. But I, I think personally, like I have a lot of thing of like, I, I've been very creative, like my entire life. And my, my parents have been very supportive of it without understanding how to support it, if that makes sense. Right. So I think that there was a big part of me getting into it, particularly when I went to college, you know, cause like, I was like, I, I, I want to go to college out of state. You know, I, I left Texas. I went to Colorado and a big part of that is cause I wanted to think for myself and I wanted to figure things out for myself. And so I think I had this thing, you know, for, for a while that's like, you, you need this stuff to be ex ultra creative. And I think the bigger lesson that came along is like, no, you're always like this. And now you're just comfortable being like this, you know, even though mm -hmm. like your mom and dad don't get you, you know, it like that, that's, that's literally the trajectory. And you, I went on a journey to get there, you know, <clears throat> and, and maybe like the, the lesson, the takeaway is like, I'm okay with that now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it, you know, that like, I'm going to make different decisions than my parents did. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. I mean, what came to mind was that quote, you know, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. You know, wherever you go, there you are. And it seems like where the trap can be with you know, something like ayahuasca or, or LSD or uh, alcohol or food, um, can be when you're not fully present and you're using it as an escape. You're using it to get away from just like being with yourself and feeling, feeling the feelings. It, it's, it's those emotions, you know, and like, I, I have a personal belief that like a lot of cancer and illness and a lot of this stuff is, is coming from this stuff. That's just like, you've been repressing it for so, for so long, for so, so long and it's building up and now it's like metastasized into something that's like physical, you know? So like, I really do think it comes down to like, like an emotional component is like something's mm. like something challenging. It could be generational. Like it may not be, you know, you might be like, I had a pretty good childhood or whatever, or you might've been, I had a traumatic childhood. That's not really as important, you know? And like, it, like it's really more so that, that there, there's something that just makes you uncomfortable. And it probably has to do with like, just a you're just a little bit out of alignment with like who you truly are. And I think that everybody's trying to just find that path of like, this is who I am and I'm okay with it. Like, this is like, I often feel that like when you, when you've like arrived at like a real lesson, if someone says like, I don't see it that way or like something like that, you're like, cool. 
you know, like, like you, you don't feel the mm. desire to defend it. Like, like that defensiveness of like, you know, to me, that's like a very like young thing. Like you don't get me mom and dad, you know, like that's like, like, that's like such a thing <laughs> of like, if you have to like, you know, like people just like go on about like, like politics or something like that. And like, just like, like if you were just okay with it, like you wouldn't need to like have the other person, like see it from your perspective. You'd be like, you know, like mm. cool. Like, and, and I think that that's kind of like the, the, the journey that I've come with is that like, I, I do a lot of really creative stuff and a lot of really weird stuff. Like I remember going to, like I was telling you, I went to college and, I was, and my, my parents came to this interdisciplinary performance class that I was telling you about and it was just like the most bonkers thing off the wall. And my parents are like, what are you going to do for a job? Like, like my, my dad was like, uh, like <laughs> maybe you should join blue man group or something. Like, he's just like, I don't know like where this fits, you know? And I'm like, I don't want to join blue man group, dad. Like, that's not like, just cause it's like, we, and, and so like a, a big part of it, and now I'm okay with it. And I, and I say the more you, you, you become okay with it, the more other people become okay with it because like, there's not this tension of like having to be like, you know, so, and then I would say the older I get, like I've had some pretty profound moments where like, for example, like my dad, where I feel like my dad actually like admires me, you know, like a way that like, you know, when you're a kid, like everything's about you and like looking up to your dad about like, you know, they know everything. And then like, there's certain things where my dad's like, wow, like you did it this way. Like, I wish I did something more like that you know it's powerful stuff yeah well hey dude thank you thank you again for uh, coming on here and, and having a candid conversation about you know something i think is extremely important for all of us as artists which is the the visual you know, components of who we are and expressing that but we geeked out a little bit we played around with some some of the tools and explored you know how we can use these tools to get a head start in terms of generating ideas and we rounded it home by you know, coming back to a different kind of tool and uh, talking about the relationship that we might have, you know, as creators, as musicians. And, and I mean, it's probably worth mentioning you know, here that all of this stuff is like, we're not recommending that you go <laughs> do ayahuasca or that you go do, I think we're, we've been pretty clear about that, that like, you know, that you need to have a respect for yourself and the decisions that, that you make. And so this is by no means like saying that you should go out and do ayahuasca or do something else. You know, if you feel called to it and you do your research and it's something you think could be a valuable tool, then I think that's, you know, that's something that you should decide for yourself. And I think that there is a tremendous potential there for when it's used in the right way. I think the Soul Quest um, organization that, that I've been a part of is a good place to research if that's something you're actually looking at. But yeah, I appreciate appreciate you, Curtis, coming on here and, and being able to help create a space here where we can actually talk about some of these things that might be a little bit taboo from the past of you know the as it relates to things like psychedelics. No, I appreciate talking about it, and honestly, I think I've had enough like of life experience to where like I have a like a sense of like I don't know. There's a, I think you know you were talking about like 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 respectfulness I, I i would like kind of elaborate on that and say say like there's a sacredness to it you know there, there's a mm. sacredness to it that will like take you you know where you need to go if it's right for you and again like to summarize the the visual stuff i would say just take your visual stuff as seriously as you take your music stuff because like i said they'll they'll see you before they hear you 
And it, it's only going to make it richer. Like y- y- you listen to music and you look at things, you know, <laughs> like, like even if you close your eyes, you're seeing things. I mean, like, 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 like the, the visual component, I would say, just take it as seriously. And if it doesn't come naturally to you, like just seek out help in the same way that you, you, you know, you, you do for anything else. Like I didn't know anything about marketing before I started working with Modern Musician and, you know, now I know some things, but it's, it wasn't a natural thing to me, you know? So like, it's just like all of those, all of those aspects to it, like it just makes a richer thing. And I think I would just tie like the, like the psychedelics talk is like, just be comfortable being yourself, you know, as far as what you're saying, cause that's going to translate. You're not trying all of these examples of trying to like reference things. It's not to copy them. It's just that like that, there's something about that, that stands out to you. And you're acknowledging that that stands out to you. And then you're trying to speak from your own voice towards those things. Beautiful. Yeah. Extremely well put. All right. Well, Curtis, for anyone that's listening to this right now, who's interested in connecting more and maybe is interested in collaborating on artwork, you know, what would be the best place for them to go to learn more? If you want to pick my brain or you want to hire me, go to avalancheartists.com. That's plural, A-V-A-L-A-N-C-H-E-A-R-T-I-S-T-S.com. That's where all, all my stuff is and all my portfolio stuff is. You know, I, I do music videos, graphic design, lyric videos, all that kind of stuff. If you want to check out my music or support me in that realm, my band is called Futurist, and I sing and write and do all the visual stuff for that as well. That is Futurist is the name of the band. If you want to check out my website, it's futuristnow.net. That's where you can find everything like that. And then if you are involved in Modern Musician, you know, just say hi to me through the Discord or whatever. And uh, like, I love talking about this stuff. I really, really care about branding and aesthetic. And I just like things to look nice. <laughs> I, I just like things to look nice. There's a lot of ugly things in this world. And like, you look out <laughs> at, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the world, like architecture, like, like, you know, like branding. There's a lot of things where people are just like, they just don't care anymore. And I just think of like, I think it's kind of a, like, I, I'm, I'm passionate about it because I think things can look beautiful with intent. Mm. Awesome. Love it. And I, I definitely wanted to bring this up because I thought this was a fun fact. My father-in-law, you're like one of his favorite artists, futurists. Yeah. He's, I've, I've shared some modern musician artists at, you know, a few points and you're one that he's added to his playlist and he like brings oh, wow. up your futurists <laughs> occasionally. So cool. that's a fun little connection. And also I, I couldn't you know, more highly recommend anyone who is interested in visual artwork and is looking for someone to help create that together. Curtis is just a top-notch designer and I've worked with you personally for music related things as well. I've been really excited about what we've come out with. So definitely you take advantage of that resource. If you're someone who's looking for help in that, that area and you can reach out with the link set that we provide in the show notes. Cool. I appreciate that. And again, awesome. I love connecting with people. I love like the, the, the big, the big thing is that I like, I like getting the, the input of what people do. And then I'm like, this is, you know, this is a cohesion to it. And like, I really enjoy finding that for each individual because each, each person is unique in that way. Mm. That's so true. You, you know, there, there really is something true about just the, like we're a community, like we're a family here and the part of the family is like, we have different skill sets, different genius zones. And so I would totally encourage us to 
you know, both related to visual artwork and like anything else, like whatever your genius is, we have a private community. And, you know, some of you are watching this here live right now from our Discord private community. If you're watching this anywhere else or listening to the podcast, then if you'd like to connect with the Modern Musician community, then you can uh, click on the link in the show notes and join completely for free with a big family of other artists that are supporting each other and collaborating and, and create something really special together. And if you are a member of the community already, we have a channel called Gifts Collaborations. If you go to the Gifts Collaborations, I think that'd be a really great opportunity for all of us to just share, like, what do we have as a genius zone or what are the gifts? Like, what can we contribute to other projects? And I would love to really help facilitate these relationships between artists with each other. Cause I, I think, yeah, together, that's going to be one of the most valuable things about creating this community. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's when you've moved past that, like you're competing with everybody else and like, you want to see, like, you want to see everybody's project be like the best it can be, you know, like that, that's the mindset shift that I feel like is the real future oriented thing, you know? And again, my band's called Futurist. I'm very future oriented. I, I don't look back a lot. You know, I, I like we're all guilty <laughs> of either being in the past or the future when we're not present. I, I tend to be too in the future, you know, so like so like I'm always trying to bring myself back to the present. But like, you know, I, I think the, the thing we're generating is that like we've been programmed to be like, like if someone's succeeding, then that means you're not, you know. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's what I like about working with other people is like, you take it in, like you want their project to be the best thing it can be. And that's kind of a good, you know, way to think about collaboration, you know? Mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's wrap up the podcast for today. Let's give a round of applause to Curtis for being here. <laughs> we'll do one final. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.